Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. Hello, hello. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I released a podcast episode all on the topic of opening a second business or a second salon. And I'm really interested to know, is this something that you have considered? Have you listened to that episode? Now in that episode, I shared my story, my salon journey and how I had two businesses and the impact that it had on me and my business, my team and all of the things. And now I'm gonna share a story of my really great friend, Janine Simons. Now Janine Simons is a salon owner extraordinaire who basically is an expert in all things business and marketing. Uh, She is also uh, an international educator for Kevin Murphy. And I feel like we grew our businesses together side by side. In fact, we were literally across the road from each other. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking with Janine about her journey with opening another salon and how it's a little different from mine and why hearing this might influence your opinion on the matter of expanding your business. Sounds interesting, right? Well, be sure to tune into this episode. It's a goodie. Enjoy. Janine, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. A pleasure, Larissa. It's nice to be here. Um, All right. I really want to talk a little bit about your journey into multiple salon ownership uh, because, like me, we have both owned a singular salon. We've had two salons going at the same time and managing teams around that and also gone back to having one big, large team. So I'm really keen to discuss the journey and share some insights. So how about we start with a little bit of just pre-opening your second salon. Tell us a little bit about where you were at, what your salon was like, and I guess the inspiration and the drive to open number two. Yeah, sure thing. So it has been quite a big journey, as as I know you know. (laughs) So more than happy to share the um, pitfalls and the good things about it. Um, so where I was at before I opened my first salon, well, I had I had a salon, um, I had a salon called Main Base, uh, Main Main Salon, um, which I still have, but I now only have one. So originally I started on the edge of Wellington City, which is in New Zealand. For those of you who are not from NZ, so New- Wellington is a smaller city in New Zealand, and I was on the fringe of the city. And the salon was about fifty square meters, so it wasn't a big salon at all. It had seven styling stations. And my intention originally when I set it up was not actually ever to get so big. However, over time, I was, um, you know, I grew some uh, babies and they turned into great stylists and sort of didn't leave and then employed several different people along the way. And my team kind of grew and the salon grew uh, fairly rapidly, really over a, a one to three year time span. And within that time, we just started to get to a point where we were actually heaving at the seams. It was becoming... Um, a little bit uncomfortable for clients in that space. We just had more clients than space, really, at the end of the day. Mm. Um, so that was good sort problem. of the begin- Yeah, good problem, like great <laughs> problem, you know. So I always say that to, pe- to people when they ask, too. It's a problem, but it's a great problem. Yeah. Um, it's one we want to have, really. 
Um, so yeah, I sort of uh, started to think about what we could do around that. And my first step was to, um, you know, extend hours and change hours up and move into more late nights and spread the team across a, a, a larger week to gain more space over more time, if that makes sense. Um, so instead of being open Tuesday to Saturday, um, with late nights on a Wednesday, Thursday, we started doing a late night Tuesday and a late night Monday. So we were spreading people um, um, across the salon floor on more late nights. So that meant less clients in one late night. Um, so that was my first problem, my first solution to the problem. Um, and then uh, after that, um, I sort of started to think, well, you know, I need to, I need more space. So once I started thinking about needing more space, I thought, am I going to move the whole salon or am I going to set up another one? So I thought, um, I did like lots of numbers and put a lot of thought into setting up a second one. And um, let me just tell you a little bit about what the salon was looking like when I uh, made the, the decision to do two. So when I made the decision to do two, I was very pretty hands-off in, in my salon. I had two managers that were sharing the role of management. So they were across operations and HR. I wasn't really even doing recruiting at that stage, um, which was probably one of the last things I let go to a manager. Um, I, I was, you know, we were making money, profit was good, and I had really strong systems in place. So, um, you know, everyone knew the rules around how we do things at Maine and what we charge and what the allocations are for services. And so it was quite an easy transfer of systems across into the new place. It wasn't like I had to start right from the ground up. So that was really the, those were really the reasons that I made the decision to open a second one rather than move the whole team. Um, having had two managers, that was a very, very big um, driving force of my decision to open two because I had, uh, you know, a manager for each salon. So mm -hmm. um, with, through conversations with them, it was like, well, um, who would like to take on the opportunity of setting up and uh, managing a new space and who would like to stay here and manage this space? And it was really easy. They both felt passionate about um, the one decision that they wanted to make and they each chose one of the other thing, which was great for me. I didn't have to sort of choose for them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and that was key for me. I, I wouldn't have done it, I don't think, if I didn't have those two um, managers or ladies in my life, you know, it wouldn't, it would have been yeah. really hard work. Yeah, so, um, and, you know, we were talking about the opportunities that it would provide for each of them as well. Um, so, yeah, so that was decision made and that was why I made all of those decisions. A, I needed more space. Um, B, I had the systems and the people to help me do it. And um, C, I had the money. We were making good money, you know. So it was sort of time to spread our wings, if you like. And you made the decision to move into the CBD, uh, maybe not the CBD, but into, the, into Wellington City versus being on the fringe. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about sort of choice and location and how you uh, match that with brand um, yeah, well, that's, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't really a scientific or theoretical answer that I mm -hmm. came to with that one. It came to mm -hmm. me. So I'm kind of a believer in what you throw out to the universe, you get back, right? So yeah. I'd said to the two girls, okay, we, let's try. And this was probably in about mm, July, August. Let's try, yeah. I would really like to have a new space pre-Christmas. We are not going to survive pre-Christmas in this little tiny space. So if we're going to do it, this is what it's going to look like. Yeah. So we're going to have another salon within seven to eight weeks. That was my goal. Um, and so, of course, I started looking, and then um, the Gusney Street space popped up. 
and um, it had a great history. I remember it back in the days when it was Grace Salon in Wellington, and that was a phenomenal salon. Um, so the space just kind of turned up and it all fell into place. It was all right. And the person looking after me as a, um, as a leasing agent was actually George Dennis, who was a, a well-known hairdresser here in Wellington. So, Is that right? Yeah, funny story. Hey? Love so, it. Um, he, sort of, he really pushed for me to, because there was somebody else looking for that space too. But he was yeah. a big advocate for um, for myself, and he knew how I ran business and ran salons and things. So it was really through the networking and the um, relationship I had with him that that all came through. And the space is yeah, amazing. Nice. Yeah, yeah, it's like three, four times the size of uh, Main Basin, which was cute and tiny and like being in someone's lounge. Now we're like in a big kind of um, more warehousey, industrial sort of space. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So quite different. So yeah, that all just fell into place. And I think even my two managers were a bit gobsmacked that it happened so quickly. Uh, but it was good. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. I, I love that, that it all just fell into place. Um, and you split the team, right? You took half I of did. them into the new place and you left half of them behind in the old place. What was that, uh, what was that journey like? Yeah, not quite half. So I actually only took two from my original salon. Um, mm-hmm. So I took one of the managers who was also an executive stylist. Um, and I took a emerging talent uh, stylist who was just uh, graduating to becoming a senior stylist. So in our world, that means she was um, had recently qualified, had a really good clientele and was ready to take that next step up into charging more as her work was elevated. So moving her across to Guzney was actually great because new space, that that move up and a tier of pricing and everything was super easy for her. Yeah. Um, And that was a great fit for those two girls to come across to Guzney. Um, And so we only had two people in there and then we employed a um, salon coordinator um, and a new first year apprentice for for that space. So... Um, that meant that I still have enough. I still had enough people over at, um, but the, my basin salon, basin reserve salon, that were generating enough income to keep that at just above break even. And yeah. the stylists that were in at Guzney were fairly heavily booked. So although, like any new business, we weren't at break even from day one. Um, we were pretty healthy because the yeah. the, the income they generated was really good. Um, yeah, so so that was that was good to be able to do that. I think if I'd yeah. split my team half half, I would have been losing in both situations. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I wouldn't have wanted to make that decision, you know. Because I, yeah. I, I, I guess, you know, from an immediate, from week one, you're one sale, and from week two, you're two. Uh, yes. Nothing had changed other than now you have two rents. Uh, yeah, more than two rents, too. It's two lots of inventory. It's two lots of rent. It's two yeah. lots of, you know, Katumba, my point of sale system, like all of all of yeah. that stuff kind of. Like yeah. Katumba creates a package for um, obviously multi locations, but it's still an increase in price. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, all of those things double, yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah. So, and yeah. you do, and your income hasn't really changed, you know, yeah, for that first for sure. little bit. So, Therefore, yeah, you, I wasn't making any money in the beginning, but I knew that going into it, you know, like for sure. going into and business knowing that's what it will be like, yeah. That's right. And that's why you want to you want to be uber profitable on location number one and have even some backstop, right, before you step into number two. Yes, 100%. Yeah, you need it. And you need to make sure you've got enough um, 
you know, money in the coffers, as they say, to make sure that if, uh, if you had a rainy day, you can back that up too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You just have to have yeah. enough behind you and a um, financial fit behind you to be able to weather those storms. Yeah. So one of the things that really strikes me is that like you're hundred percent out of daily operations um, yeah. and you have the ability to make some strategic moves because you're a, a way you can look at it objectively and make non-emotional decisions because you're not inside of the business. I mean, this is a huge advantage to be able to make those big tactical moves, right? Oh, hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. I wasn't thinking anything about, um, you know, the, the, the emotions of moving my clientele or what that might look like, yeah. or, you know, um, the emotions of my team, most definitely. Um, yeah. You know, I had conversations with each of them one-on-one once we'd made the decision and had the support of, my two managers, but outside of that, it was all about numbers and growth and what the future looks like. And, um, but I also had a backdoor Larissa and I wouldn't have done it without this backdoor as well. So, um, my backdoor, I always like to do things with the backdoor. I think you always need to have a, um, and what I mean by that is have a bit of an exit strategy if you need to use it. Um, so mine was that I had, I had one more year on my lease of my small main salon basin, shop so um in the back of my mind I thought well you know like if things get tough or it's not looking like it's the best move I I can fit all of my team in my new Guzney space and not renew my lease um over in on the fringe of the city so uh you know I I felt a lot of sense of security because I had that I wouldn't have wanted to go into it with a lease that was like three or four years on it and I had no way to you know no no other option yeah. Because actually your initial driver was actually without growing the space. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. so the back door was actually still uh, serving uh, the initial inspiration or reason. Yes. So it was um, fixing our initial problem, which we needed to like, have more space with um, yep. the team. And yep. then also, you know, gave us the opportunity to really look at growing too. Um, yeah. And with with the security of knowing that actually we'll all be okay over at Guzney if that's the decision that needs to be made at the time. And again, unemotional about that decision, yep. really not worried about what it looks like to industry or our clients or any of that sort of thing. You know, the story yep. is what the story is. And um, yep. yeah, yeah. So it was, it gave me a great sense of security to have that. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, so you ran two salons. Um, and how long, how long did you have the two going for? Um, just under, just, uh, just over a year, actually. Sorry. Yeah. Just over a year. Um, so I had the two for, I would say it was 15 months in the end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. 15 months and And you know, a lot happened in that time. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Hey, Larissa here, just popping in to say, Hey, I hope you're loving my chat with Janine so far, but don't worry. There's still so much more of the episode to come. But I quickly wanted to jump in here and let you know that I've just opened up three spots to work with three salon owners who want to change their business for the better over the next 45 days. If you're looking to grow your sales, get your team busy without working more hours yourself, then keep listening. I help salon owners attract dream clients, smash their sales targets, build a winning team, all without taking up what little time you have available for yourself so you can truly step up into your role as Salon CEO. Now, to see if you're eligible to work with me, then let's chat. I'll leave the link to my messenger in the show notes of this episode, or you can just find me at Salon Owners Collective. 
I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Let's chat in Messenger. We'll chat about your business, your goals, your challenges, and we'll take it from there. Okay, now let's get back to chatting with Janine. <laughs> now, just before we talk about transitioning from two to one, yes. um, you also, uh, uh, at that time, were an international artist for Kevin Murphy. Yes. So meanwhile, you're flying around the world doing all sorts of uh, different crazy fun things. Yeah, so amazing had to, Yeah, you had to be free. I mean, this yes. is this is a big undertaking. So, talk to about talk to us about you know how did that work for you and your journey having two salons and an international job and yes. a family. <laughs> yeah, family. Yes, yeah, all the balls in there. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah. So, I do have a fantastic job, which is I'm a color master for the Asia Pacific re- region for uh, Kevin Murphy, and I absolutely love it. Um, it means I sort of travelled the world educating on color, but also the brand. Um, it's a great one to be with too. So yep, that that keeps me very busy. I'm away probably overall, I would say a week a month, but sometimes it's not every month. Um, yes, so for me, um, I needed to be able to leave my managers in charge of those salons and go and do those things because I didn't want to give that up. So, you know, that was also a discussion point that I had with the two girls yeah. around what that would look like. Um, and it worked super well because we had we had all the structure and all the systems. So it was really just picking picking up those two stylists and my manager and putting them into a new place with the right support of a salon coordinator and some salon assistants. And everything else was the same, really. They ran the team meetings like they would have. We still um, ran a merged team meeting, actually, which was good because one of my key things was, one of my key aims was to try and keep the culture that we had Mm. Um, that's a whole other story that that did change so that was one of my um, I'll talk about that when we talk about transitioning Um, but uh, yeah so you know from a standpoint of not having to be in the salon all of the time yes when we first opened the doors the first probably month I was around and very available outside of that it just went back to um, the girls managing it and calling on me when they needed to and when I was um, home I would be in the salons with them yeah 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, but don't, all right, don't mistake that for being easy. It wasn't easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's just touch for a moment. Like, what what is the personal cost? And a personal cost doesn't have to be a negative thing. Uh, it just is uh, a cost, an opportunity cost. When you choose to mm. do all of these things, something's got to give because you know even Beyonce only has twenty four hours in the day. So, yeah, <laughs> what yeah. is what is the cost? Like when we make these decisions to be hugely ambitious, ambitious. What are, what is the cost? What are the things we need to consider? Yeah, yeah. Well, for, I think for me, one of the biggest things was time. Um, so obviously, you've got the cost of time because you're, um, you know, I was often in the salons and often um, with the girls and, and then um, traveling and things like that. So that probably my family was a little bit compromised for that first three to six months. Um, yep. But again, you know, conversations with the family, they were engaged, they knew the journey as well. So um, the kids were really great about it. They're sort of semi, they're teenagers now, so they sort of get it too. Yeah. Um, but the, probably the biggest cost was to myself, I have to say. Um, I felt like I was sort of running between two salons and the team never felt like they never really saw me mm. um, because I was only in each one so part-time, you know. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, the, the cost of that and also the cost of just not being able to give enough time to each of my managers. They did, a, they, they did and do a fantastic job. Uh, I feel like in reflection, though, they could have, I could have helped them more, you know? Mm. So, um, yeah, that was the cost. 
me. Mm. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, let, look, let's uh, talk a little bit now about uh, the decision to transition back into one big new location. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, again, another decision made lightly, but um, a decision made for all the right reasons. Um, it got to a point where, well, obviously I had my lease was coming up for renewal and it was, mm. do I, don't I, do I, don't I? Um, and I was actually at the time watching um, COVID-19 very strongly as well because that had yeah. just started to surface. Um, and it was sort of January, February that I was talking to my team about COVID-19 and, you know, what that might look like for the future and um, all of the things that we'd discussed actually did come real. Um, unfortunately, like the lockdown and all of those kind of things, um, because in the initial stages of COVID-19, it was very easy to think that that was over the other side of the world and wouldn't happen here, yeah. but you could kind of see its momentum gaining, right, when it was, um, you know, becoming, and then when it was announced a pandemic, when it was announced a pandemic, that was probably the, um, the, fine, the catalyst of my decision, I'd have to say. So mm -hmm. I'd been thinking about it anyway because I felt like two things. I felt like we'd lost a lot um, in our culture and culture is probably the number one thing for me. It's the most important thing for me with my um, um, businesses is just that, that team culture and salon culture is amazing. And whilst it was amazing in each salon still, there, did, there became a little bit of the um, – this team, that team, you know, that started mm -hmm. to happen quite a bit, which is normal, mm -hmm. I guess. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was happening. And I were, I had two salons that were doing just okay, you know, so I wasn't actually making great money and they were just doing okay, holding their own. Um, and I was super busy and I thought, you know, I need an easier life than this. And then with the COVID-19 on top, it was sort of like, yeah, no, I need to actually provide a sustainable future for everybody, for my team, for my family, for everybody. So, yeah, those were the deciding forces. Yeah. Yeah, I really resonate with that too, because that was the sort of the similar journey for myself. Um, and I too had a salon in, not on the fringe of the city, a little bit out in, in a suburb, and a city salon and the culture just by demographic was completely different yeah. not only not only um the environment physical environment but actually who i could attract into each of those businesses was different because of its location the yes. people that worked in the city didn't want to work in the suburbs and the people that worked in the in the suburbs were intentionally choosing to work in the suburbs because they didn't want to work in the city yeah. and so just by those demographics uh, the culture grew and it, and it did become, it wasn't a negative thing, but it was a them, and, a them and us. They are different to us and we do things slightly differently. They might've run the same systems, but the mm. vibe was, was completely different. Yes. Um, yes. And I think for me, ultimately, it was a completely different time and a different year. But uh, for me, ultimately, the two driving decisions was I'm paying two rents and neither, um, and, and I'm paying two rents and I am, driving backwards and forwards between two locations now unlike mm. you when i had my salon i when i had my two salons i wasn't as free and as set up um yeah right yeah i was younger i was still in my 20s and i hadn't worked out a whole bunch of stuff and so i was i felt 
torn and driving back between, and I would even, God forbid, I can't believe that I did this, but you know, they would <laughs> ring and say, can you bring a bottle of 20 volt from the other salon? And I'd go, okay. And off I would go in the car. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah. Were you so, doing clients then too? You would and I was doing a too. day in each. I was, I was doing oh, a full crazy. day in each. Crazy <laughs> town. So I know what it, yeah, oh my, yeah, exactly. And um, the power of, uh, hindsight and getting older I have to say. <laughs> but yes, I learned a yeah. lot right I learned a lot yeah, of what yes. I would never I would never uh, do again and I think for my ultimate decision is that I could grow the, the salon in the city better faster more profitably because I could employ people and it was just a different caliber and in comparison it's funny comparison because I was quite happy with my suburb salon when I had my suburb salon but then when I saw what was possible in the other salon the, yes. the, orig the original became like I, I just grew it, outgrew it. We outgrew the yes. suburb, we outgrew what I could achieve there. And so it, it again became a no brainer to go, well, look, I'll just merge the two. We'll have one rent, we have to have a big space um, and have one mega sell on because then I can do I can do it to the quality that I want to have it done. Yes, yeah, yes, because that's the thing too, isn't it? You know. I suspect back then for you with um, just your age and experience and things, the systems wouldn't have been as strong either across two. So quality would have been hard to manage, right? Yeah, for sure. And I thought I had systems, like I knew I needed systems. I thought I did, but I really didn't compared, to, yeah. compared with. And I think the next, um, oh, I've got to think about my dates here now. Uh, the next seven or eight years, I really felt like I just dedicated myself to structure systems and processes so I could truly be free. Like I thought I was free because I was only doing two days a week, mm, but to truly mm. be free to grow uh, the business. And then, it, and then at that time I was like, right, now I'm actually going to build a business that can be replicatable, replicatable and duplicatable. And again, that was another whole, um, it was another whole sort of business level all over again. I mean, subsequently ended up selling instead of duplicating, but um, yes. that was certainly a lot of, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye, let's say that. Oh, for sure. Yes, for sure. As we both know now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, okay, so tell us a little bit about uh, you've moved. Well, I, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you reopened post-lockdown in one location. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. So, you know, COVID is tough and as hard as it was, um, there was a lot of opportunities and great things that came out of that time for us too, you know, as a um, business and a brand. So, um, yeah, made, made the decision. I'd made the decision pre-COVID, like pre-lockdown for New Zealand. Yep. Um, and just, and also on the back of that decision, uh, when lockdown happened, it was like, okay, right. So the we're, we're just going to go back to one salon. When we reopen, yep. it'll be un, under one roof rather than opening the two again. Um, so it was a tricky time too, because obviously I didn't have a lease to worry about. However, I had the chattels and everything in my salon to, to try and um, uh, sell. And fortunately for me, there was um, someone that was, uh, they came and had a look, look at the salon the day before lockdown happened. Um, so I thought, well, that's mm -hmm. a long shot. They're not going to you know, purchase a business <laughs> over lockdown. Uh, however, they came back afterwards and that, that's been great. And, um, you know, I've been in there to do education with them. It's been, it's been a great little journey and they're, they're taking that salon in another direction, which is good to see. 
And so I was quite fortunate with that. You know, I think sometimes when you make these decisions, all the things fall into place and it just confirms that, yes, it was the right one, you know? Yeah, for Um, sure. So, yeah, so that happened. Um, And then, yes, we made all came back under one roof. But however, with with the rules of each level, when we came back out of lockdown, we came back under one roof, but three separate teams. I have 15 in my team. So we had three separate teams um, working a rotational roster over seven days. Um, so, you know, there's been a lot of change in a short period of time for not just us, but I think everyone in New Zealand with, with running mm. their salons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And are you, are you back to normal rosters now? Just. So we've, we've just. had three weeks of normal roster. Everybody, everybody wow. in one team. Yeah. We know what it's like with um, salons. You know, our clients book so far ahead six, every six yep. to eight weeks or five, six, eight weeks. Um, that it's very hard to be able to merge your teams back because we'd made this, all these decisions during that lockdown period and everyone was sort of booked ahead into those future dates. Mm. Yeah, so we sort of had to work our way out of it again, you know. Um, we One of the things we didn't want to do was move clients around all of the time for that inconsistency. Yep. So yep. we just worked through it, yeah. So it's been great, yeah, and we're back to one team and um, I was actually just speaking with one of my managers last night, checking in, you know, um, how's it going? Because I've not been in there this week at all. I've been doing other things. Um, and she's like, do you know what? I love it. The vibe Aww. is amazing. And, and I've actually had clients text me or message me the same thing too. So Very um, that's, cool. been, that's been awesome. Yeah, so good. So good. Okay, so you're back to five days, 15 people. There will still be some rostering challenges even just with that, surely. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah th- yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, one of the good things that came out of um, the lockdown for us too was it really gave uh, myself as a salon owner and my two managers the opportunity to look at what worked better with all those changes, you know, um, and how the team felt about it. So we've sort of put to the team, you know, what would they like to keep and what would they th- what did they think didn't work. So now everybody is working um, every second Saturday, which is amazing for stylists, mm. I think, to be able to... Um, create that opportunity for them because one of the biggest things that came out of it was not not was wanting to have weekends yeah um and i get that on a human level you know yep um so uh yeah so everyone's sort of doing um slightly different rosters so again we've spread our late nights over three um because i couldn't have everyone on the same late night it would still be Mm -mm. full on we have one day a week which is thursday where we have everybody on uh for the whole day and then wow. um, a couple of them drop away for the late night. Yeah. But it's amazing. And that was yesterday. So I spoke to, I had a client message me and um, my manager me- talked to me last night about how amazing it was. So um, that was our very first day yesterday of having everyone on. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. There's nothing like yeah. that high vibe, uh, high energy kind of day when everybody's, uh, everybody's in a good place and it's, everything's humming, right? Yeah, that's right. And again, you know, that just comes back to systems and things too, you know. Um, it only yep. works when everybody is playing by the rules and the, um, yep. you know, systems and services and things like that. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so it's, so it's really good. Yeah. What a journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the big things for me was being able to maintain the roles, you know. Like, so I, like I yep. said, I had two, two managers. I still do. Um, yep. I've just split their roles. One is now HR and one is now operations. Um, right. and they'll swap the idea is that they'll swap within a year to 18 months so they both learn each role 
and um, they'll be, you know, fully set up and ready to do whatever they need to do next. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. Because uh, typically you might take one or the other role depending on personal preferences or, you know, one's more detail-oriented and one's mm. more people-oriented, but in fact, they want to do both. That's really interesting. Mm. Yes, yeah. I think um, one of the decisions... Uh, for me around getting them to do both is um, allowing each other to have that space to do their role and also um, the respect for each other in that role, knowing that mm. they'll soon be soon be that person. Um, and, you know, within each, each of those roles, so we're, we're talking HR and operations, um, there's some things that are better suited to one or the other and we've just moved mm. them across, you know. So yeah, right. whilst they might sit under an HR banner, we've moved them to operations or vice versa because yeah. their um, management style is better suited. So yeah, it's yeah. been really okay. good. Yeah, so yeah. they'll still hold on to some key things, I guess, when they switch, yeah. um, but, but pick up some other things. Yeah. You know, I think if they want to be um, salon owners or you know, t top salon managers, they, they do need to know how to recruit as much as they need to know how to train someone to follow all the services and systems and things. So yeah, I think it's sure. good. So far it's For going sure. great. So um, I guess as we wrap up, I've got two final questions. Is, is uh, having one salon uh, better for sales and ultimately more profitable, in your humble opinion? Yes. Yeah, I would say right now, absolutely, without doubt. <laughs> the minute I merged them, I was making money, you know, yeah, um, yeah. because I had no longer had two rents and I no longer had yeah. two, two lots of inventory and all of the yeah. things. Yes. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. Okay, and then the last question is, do you think you'll ever have more than one salon again? <laughs> I thought you might ask me that. <laughs> and you know what? Yes, I do. I actually do think I will. Yep. Um, and uh, it'll be, you know, again, it'll be when the timing is right. I have yep. some great uh, up-and-coming young ones that yep. um, I can see opening salons with them. I think yep. it'll be a very different picture for me, though. It'll be more, potentially, I'll have... Um, financial investment and I'll be more of a mentor to, to them actually running those salons. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, so it'll be quite different, but I can definitely see, and I already know sort of spaces and places that we potentially will go into in the next year or two. So yeah, watch the space. You never know. <laughs> very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah. I really appreciate uh, first you sharing your story and I guess the insights and a hope for uh, you that is listening there has been some takeaways um, and some epiphanies around the decision to have more than one, or maybe mm. you have more than one, and maybe you're thinking about, you know, keeping life more simple and more profitable, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nothing, <laughs> nothing more appealing than uh, less stress, less complication, and, and more profit. Right. Yes, yeah, and I really, you know, one of the things that I talk say to myself in my head most days now is less is more. Less is more, and it's actually hundred okay. <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I'm I'm on your page. Like even even now in this business, the less that we commit to, the more successful it is. The faster we get a, a return or a result, um, yeah. and so less is always more. It's less stressful. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah, so, life is yeah. to be enjoyed. It so is. It so is, you know. Yeah, not running around too crazily and you know. Yeah. But I guess you yeah, just to recap on that, I think um, you know, yeah, like you say, do it for the right reasons. If you if it's if you're need, needing space or making so much money that you can afford to open that second one and just think about all of those things before you even um 
think about doing it. Like, don't do it just because you want to be bigger in the industry or um, think that it's great, better to have two, you know? So, yeah. So, hopefully, yes, yeah, some of that has been of value to your listeners. Absolutely. All right. I really appreciate your time. And um, it's always a pleasure to chat. Yes. Look forward to yeah, catching for sure. up for a wine soon. Yes, for sure. We'll make that happen. <laughs> okay, All right. cool. Ciao All right, now. thanks for having me. See you. Bye. See ya. Bye. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much, Janine, for joining me on this episode. I really do appreciate your time. Now, I want to know about your journey. Yes, you listening to this right now. I'm interested in talking with more salon owners salon and spa owners and learning about your experience and your aspirations for growth, whatever they may be. So DM me, let's chat. I'll leave a link uh, in the show notes of this episode, but you always know where to find me in Messenger or in the DMs. And if you want some help in growing your business, growing your team, or simply stepping into your role as the salon CEO, then let me know. Otherwise, I'll catch you next time, same time, same place on the podcast. Ciao for now. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. Tune in every week as I reveal the latest insights and advice on what it takes to truly master your inner salon CEO and master your salon success. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at www.salonownerscollective.com. But make sure to join me in my Facebook group for answers to common questions and much, much more. Thanks for listening and I look forward to tuning in with you again next week.